Well, what a great, great start to, to, to today to worship together. And uh, we've got the tremendous privilege of, of hearing from Dave and Liz this morning. And uh, if you were here last night, you'll have heard a little bit about them, both introverts, which surprised me. Dave Holden takes the bins out. These are some of the things I remember from the interview last night. So let's welcome Dave. Thank you very much. Well, we count it a great privilege to be here. Thank you so much uh, for asking us, which probably means that actually none of you did ask us to come, but Mike did. And um, so we're very grateful for that. And um, it is really wonderful to be here. Uh, We're going to do two sessions this morning. Um, I hope you're going to stay with us. We're going to cover a lot of ground. Um, the first session is going to be uh, me talking about foundations for ministry, and then we're going to do something on marriage. So there'll be a 15-minute break or so. And on each occasion, we want to try and suggest some questions to you. Um, whether we've got time or not to actually uh, spend time doing them, we'll have to see. But even so, I think the questions are well worth you making a note of. And it might be some things that we speak about that you'd like to go home and work out in your own teams Uh, some of the things we share, but also maybe in your congregations as well. But thanks for having us, and thank you also for praying for us. I know that your Enough event happened recently, and that uh, our (coughs) family of churches, New Ground, featured a little bit in that, and just want you to know that we're very, very grateful for your praying for us as we uh, pray for you. I've spoken often recently about the transition of New Frontiers, giving us lots of uh, opportunities and some challenges as we've gone forward together. Um, and um, I think those opportunities are uh, becoming more and more of a reality as more and more people are engaged in the mission that God has called us to do. And uh, one of the challenges is relationships, and one of the things that we've sought to do in multiplication is to ensure there's a deeper relationship, a bit like a a church that's growing. How do you keep it relational? Well, you change the wineskin, and that's what we've done in New Frontiers, and it's bought into a huge buy-in in terms of people feeling so much more relationally connected to the mission that we're involved in uh, as churches. I guess one of the challenges that we still face is that um, uh, as we've multiplied, those relationships could easily, easily be strained um, at the level of apostolic teams working together. And uh, I think we always knew that that would be the case. But I just wanted to share with you that our hearts are for more and more coming together and working together. So Mike and I have been in several settings recently that we weren't in for the last few years where that dialogue of what does it mean here in the UK, what does it mean in the nations, be together as one even though we're multiplied into different spheres. And we've got a meeting in a couple of weeks' time, two days together, where we'll be doing that. So there's a lot more coming together, which is really exciting, because one of the things I miss is you. Um, and you don't have to say that you miss me, it doesn't matter. But I, I miss that sense of friends that I've had for many, many years. It's just one of those things that you, it's a consequence of growth and multiplication. But every opportunity we get to just collaborate and be together, that's our heart. And I know that's your heart as well. Uh, we just had, uh, we just been staying with Goff and Angie and you know, the danger is nostalgia, so you mustn't go down there. But we talked and talked about what's happened to that person, what's happened to that person. It's just natural, and it's there not because we're nostalgic, but because we're genuinely affectionate 
and want to know how people are doing so we can pray for them. And because Goff goes back, he goes back, he goes back. I mean, it's like, I, 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 think, I think it was actually at Azusa Street when the Spirit first poured. It just goes so far back. There's almost no, no move of the Spirit that he hasn't been involved in at one time or other. But apart from that, you know, it's just um, great to catch up and to realize that we're all going on with God and we're all planting churches and perhaps that prophetic word, we've all got responsibility to fish wherever we can, even if it's just, you know, with our neighbors and at the school gate and wherever we might be. So absolutely vital. Um, we, have the, we have this equivalent to your 24 hours for elders and wives in January, and we've done it for the last three years. And one of the things that we've found is it's the one opportunity that we get to really talk about things that are relevant to elders and wives. And we found that it's been a great opportunity to talk about relevant devotional, domestic kind of issues. And I think these are unique opportunities because many of us are facing the same challenges of busy lives and diaries and all that sort of thing. So what I'm going to share with you this morning, what we'll be sharing throughout the rest of the morning, um, it's not exactly a 10-year vision plan. But if you can hear what we're saying, you might just be here in 10 years to see the vision become a reality. Because sadly, you can have lots of vision plans, but if behind it there isn't the depth of who you are and what you're, you're doing in your relationship with God, you may not end up seeing the vision however it's displayed. So I'm sure that Relational Mission has loads of opportunities to cast vision and to talk about the future. But our burden today, because our gathering is a bit unique, is to speak right into where we're at in terms of God's calling on our lives as uh, leaders of churches. So it's going to be very basic. I've entitled this first word, uh, Four Foundations for Fruitful Ministry. Four Foundations for a kind of guaranteed fruitful ministry. Uh, I've been struck recently again by the phrase that Jesus uses concerning those of us who abide in him, uh, that we might produce fruit. And he just says, and fruit that remains. And uh, I've been in one or two contexts recently where we've been talking about what did he mean? Fruit, not just fruit, but fruit that remains. And I've, I feel more and more and more one of the most important aspects of God's calling on the, on the life of you guys here today is that you didn't have fruit that was there in the past, but you're having fruit today. And that you know you'll have fruit in the future as well. In other words, this sense of Consistently, consistency over the years and over the decades of, of not only just doing the same thing, but moving forward and doing more. I'm looking upon a crowd of people today whose potential, it's interesting, you can be kind of some of you at a later part of your life, and we're still talking about the potential. If you're like me, you often feel, I have not yet done or, or seen God do what I think he can do through my life. And it's about fruit that's always going to be there. So these four areas are um, kind of connected. They may not be, but I'm believing that at least one of these will resonate with you where you are in your life. And they're massive foundations built into our lives and ministries that are guaranteed to enable us to be around as the years go by and to be producing even more uh, fruit. The first point I want to make today is... I've entitled this Identity First and Last. And the reason I've entitled this first foundation as Identity First and Last is because you can fall into the trap of thinking, well, I've got my identity issues all sorted. 
The, the only way that's tested is when things happen in your life to see whether that's true or not. So I personally think there'll never be a day where we're not checking out <clears throat> that we've really got an understanding of who we are. And who you are is far more important than anything else for your ministry to keep growing. And so it's first and last because I think towards the end of our lives and ministries, we still won't have completely sorted it out. We'll still be understanding it and working it out in our lives. It's essential to understand who you are and that there is a, that, that, that itself is a key to fruitfulness to longevity. I'm going to talk a little bit about success this morning. I want to unpackage that word, but the whole thing of being successful in what God has called us to do, I believe, flows out of an increasing understanding of who I am. When we're not clear on our identity and who we are, especially as elders or maybe elders' wives, people in leadership, then as the song says, there's going to be trouble ahead. There's going to be difficulties unless we really have got to grips with this. I think there'll be a lot of pain and there will even be loss if we're not clear on this. As far as the Bible is concerned, it's always about character. And God wants us to know his gifts and be gifted. But character always trumps gifts when it comes to leadership. We know that's true of the appointment of elders. It's true of any public ministry that it's what's not seen that's the most important rather than what is seen on the platform. It's who you are and not what you do that gives you the identity. It's who you are and not what you do that counts. If it's what you do, what happens when what you do is removed? I look back on the last 10 years of my life and I'm not today doing anything virtually that I was doing 10 years ago. So it's an interesting journey sometimes when you, if you find your identity in what you do and then what you do is given to someone else. And then I, mean, I went through one patch of my life about five years ago when everything I was doing I was given away. And a friend of mine said, what do you do nowadays? It's kind of like, because everything you were doing is now being done by somebody else. So part of my testimony is to grow in an understanding of the fact that God is really far more interested in me than in what I do. I forget that often. I often forget that all that matters is his relationship with me and, and my identity of who I am in Christ and who I am in him that really counts. So please, 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 I mean, you, you, you've been around a lot of you long enough. You know this. It's basic. But I'm underlining it again. Please find ways not to find your identity in the doing of what you do, or even the label that you carry as a pastor or an evangelist or an administrator or whatever it might be, even small group leader or youth partner, you know, whatever it is, that is not who you are, it's what you do. So the foundation for longevity of ministry is a constant revelation over and over again of what you do, of what you are. <laughs> I, I sometimes... Um, one of the songs that I love a lot in worship, and it's one of those songs, you know you get certain songs that stick around forever, and Blessed Be the Name of the Lord is one of those, because I think when you sing it, it's so, it's so rich, and you identify with experiences you've gone through and everything. It's just a great song. But I have to say, there are moments when I look around, even my home congregation, when they're all singing it like mad, and we get to the phrase, He gives and takes away. And I sometimes look around and the people are pumping the air, you know, gives and takes. I think, do you have any idea what you're singing about? Because he really does. 
He really does give, and for whatever reason, he takes away, sometimes to give it to somebody else. So it's absolutely vital that we are people who understand that identity is not in what we do, but in who we are. One of my favorite verses, I suppose, in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. And Paul is describing who he is. And he's describing his background, his qualifications, or in this case, not feeling at all qualified to be called to be an apostle. And in verse 10, and this is a verse that we can't stay near because it's loaded with wonderful truths to meditate upon. But he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is at work within me. And there's just so much truth there. It's a wonderful verse for leaders to meditate upon. But he just makes this well-known phrase about I am what I am. In other words, Paul says, God's grace at work in me, more than a doctrine, has completely transformed me at the root of my being, and I'm not what I was. I am what I am by the grace of God. So if I was to ask you today, who are you? It'll be an interesting question to see what your answer would be to that question. Some of you might say, well, I am an elder's wife, or I am an administrator. I do this, or I do that, or I'm French or I'm a full-time mum, or I'm a successful businessman, or I'm a white European middle class, I'm in full-time ministry. The question, who you are, is none of those answers. It really is that you've got a new identity of who you are in Christ. And the test is this. Can you say, I am what I am by the grace of God? Can you actually say that about yourself? You see, the reality is, as I say this, I am, I am weak, I make mistakes, I like to be seen, I like to prove that I'm a busy kind of person, I like to see the results of the things that I am doing, but I still am what I am by the grace of God. I'm me. I am not Terry Virgo. I am not Mike Betts. I'm constantly grateful for that truth. <clears throat> and, and actually, we sometimes look at people and we see what they do and they think, if only I was like them, then I really would be accepted by God. And that's just so untrue. God loves you as you are. And in the busyness of our lives, that truth of God's love for me as I am, and I'm not like them, is just so important. So who am I? I am a husband. I am a father. I'm a grandfather. Some people say that I'm, I'm their friend. There's at least one or two of those in the world. Some people will call me a pastor. Some people think maybe I'm apostolic. Um, some people see me as a total frustration. There are some people that just don't like me, seriously. They'd cross the road if they saw me coming. But I am what I am by the grace of God and his work Within me. Now, why am I labeling all of this so basic truth? Well, I think we're living today in a a, a pressurized Western, almost Christian Western culture that actually people find their identity in how many hours did you work this week? 
How impressive are you publicly? How big is your church? How, how, what's the, what's the, the, the kind of, how, what's the reach of your ministry? And uh, all of these things are seem to be successful. That's what success equals. And I think if churches like ours are to truly be fruitful in the way that God's Word declares us to be, then we can't go near there. But we're living in the world and an internet world where you and I are constantly watching what other people are doing. And the temptation to therefore skip and to uh, just get through all those things, to get to be like what they are and do what they do, is massive. Image. How I come across looks is, is, is a huge thing in our Christian world today. Performance is a huge deal. None of which describes who I am or who you are, or whether I'm successful or not. So you understand where I'm going today. I'm, I'm trying to get a basic foundation right under our skin in who we are. I was reading some books recently by John Ortberg, who I think is a great commentator on Christian life and ministry. And uh, if I can just quote, it's quite a lengthy kind of conversation he's having, but I feel it's so powerful, it's so affected me. He's asking this question, uh, what have I accomplished in life? Uh, People ask that question, have I been successful in my life? And he says, if that question is measured by what you have done, then you really are in problems for three reasons. One, you know you could have done more. Two, you compare yourself with what others have done, and of course they have all done more than you have, and so it leaves you feeling totally unsatisfied. And three, if you are of the older generation, then it's really depressing because most of what you've done has been done in the past and there's not much left. But, he says, if accomplishment or success is measured by the kind of person that I have become or am becoming, then everything changes. Your whole view on what's really important in life radically changes. For the real questions are, am I more loving? Am I more peaceful? Have I become more Christ-like? What kind of husband am I? What kind of father am I? Am I a good neighbor? Am I a good worker? Have I changed as a person? Am I good to hang out with? This has radical repercussions because it changes my view on how well I've done in life. It changes my future and my priorities my time and my diary. It's no longer how many people are in my church or how successful is my ministry. It's how am I doing as a person. And I think for my observation of leadership trends all around the world, this is just a massive, massive thing for us. And it affects so much of what I, what I do and how I'm seen, to get this deeply embedded in me as a person, in you as a person, is life-changing. You can understand you're no longer rushing off to this and that because you realize that's not what's going to make you truly fruitful. Can I just pause at this moment and say, 
we're not talking about introspection, nor are we talking about not doing anything. Some of you are sitting there looking, this is, this is just what I need. I just need to be told, don't do anything, just be who I am. This is what we're talking about, that all you in part, that's the doing bit, all you in part to others flows out essentially from who you are. You see, I think ministry is about impartation and not about information. Information is gained by knowledge. Impartation is gained by experience. And we need to be people who understand when we hear the only way I can go forward is my identity first and last will always be the issue. It's not talking about all getting introspective and not doing things. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. We don't really even know what that was, but he uses, I long to be with you to give you something, to impart something to you to change your lives. And I'm sure you've heard this phrase before, but you can only give what you've got. And what you've got to give to others is who you are in Christ and your relationship with him. Jesus gave life. He imparted life through his words and through his actions everywhere he went. We get to give his life through us as well. The Bible says the Spirit gives life. It's like we've got a reservoir within us. And my identity of who I am in Christ and then my relationship with who I am in Christ fills that reservoir up and so I've got so much more to give. So here's the deal. Those who understand that true success and longevity of ministry is in who you are and not what you do, spend time with the one person, and it's a priority above everything else, who really can give you life and fill up your reservoir. So as you give out, and we all do, give, 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 and we get the reservoir half empty. If your ministry is in what you do, you're going to get exhausted. You're just going to give, 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 and guess what? You're going to give, 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 and more again. If your ministry is who you are, you quickly come back to the source of life and intimacy, which is under great threat today, becomes the key for fruitfulness. John chapter 6. This is Jesus speaking. Let me read this to you. John chapter 6 and verse 32. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. So here I am realizing that my true identity is in who I am and not what I do. The source of fruitfulness comes out of that relationship of intimacy. And then Jesus declares to us, here is your priority in life. Not busy hours and rushing around impressing everybody, but I have bread for you every day. I am the bread of life and you will be malnourished if this is a part of your life that is somehow suppressed or ignored 
because actually what's more important is the hours you put in serving the people of God. That's seen. The trouble with the bread of life is that no one knows whether you're intimate, whether you're spending time with Jesus, whether that's a priority of your life or not. But I think I've come to see this more and more important. And it's a bit, if I can use the analogy of bread for a moment, that bread gives life, so I must feed on that bread constantly, that intimacy with Jesus. But there's a lot of crumbs around. I think the Christian world is full of crumbs. It's not actually the bread of life, but it's kind of like crumbs. You can, you can feed on this bit and that bit. It doesn't fill you up. It doesn't fulfill you, but it excites you. And so a diet of, infant, of internet information is not the same. Let me say that again. A diet of internet information, it's hard to say, is not quite the same. In fact, it's not the same as feeding on the bread of life. But there are lots of people in ministry who are living on that. Crumbs can be things like even vision and values. I come across leaders are more excited about their vision and values than they are about intimacy with Jesus. Even the mission, that's a real buzzing word, okay? That, you know, everyone's talking about mission. That, that mission will not feed you. It will excite you and it will look impressive and give everybody a sense of, well, it's great to be in this church because we've got vision, we've got mission and we know where we're going. Well, great, but I hope you've got Jesus as well. Because that will not satisfy in the end. Get excited about your vision and mission, but get more excited about the bread of life. Which means you spend more time with the bread of life than you do working out the vision and working out the mission. Feeding on the bread of life is what? It's worshipping. Not waiting for Sunday morning. It's worshipping, a lifestyle of worship. It is prayer. It is spending time feeding upon the word of God. It is learning how to abide. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. There's the life flooding through you. There's your identity of who you are. There's your fruitfulness right there. As we give out, we receive again by abiding in him. So it's all about who you are. I think Jesus did self-leadership really, really well. I'm not so sure about me. Sometimes feel guilty about spending time alone that no one sees just to be with Jesus, not even to get anything out of it, but just to be with him until you realize this is who I am and this is what will make me fruitful in the end, despite all the noises all around me telling me differently. So as I round this point off, the question is this, what are your priorities? Because we always have time for priorities. So this whole discussion about, well, I'm too busy. To, it's nothing to do with that. It's to do with what's important. Every priority that every person ever has, they have time for and energy for, however busy they may be. So I want to ponder this question. We might come back to the end of, at the end of this word on this. If somehow more space was given to you, more time was provided for you, more space was given to you in your diary, what would you do with that more space and time? Would you spend more time on your iPad? Would it actually result in, oh good, more time online? Or would it be that you've had more space, my goodness, that would give me more time 
for more prayer, for more worship. Maybe I go for more walks where I can just get away from everything, spend time alone with him. Maybe the space will provide more receiving and more waiting on God. Maybe less time with people, less time at the office behind my computer. This is a very important word. There's a whole load of you here that are not full-time in your position as eldership. This is good news for you, all of us, because you can be fruitful, not by seeing your name and all the responsibilities you've got, but by seeing your name with no responsibilities, other than more time and space for me means more time alone in the presence of God. Amen.